When Joni found out she was going to be the service leader this morning, her request was that she not be asked to pronounce the title of my message. <laughs> um, the, that first word that you may not recognize is pronounced koinonia. And it is the Bible word for fellowship. Fel I, I read some about this this week, and a fellowship is one of those words that we don't really use except in a church context. You don't really go to the corner bar to have fellowship. Uh, and that's not what kids are going to the skating rink for, you know, going to go have some fellowship. <clears throat> so it's a, it's a churchy word, and, um, and I think that's because koinonia is captures that notion of spiritual community, that it's, it's, we get together for more than just tea and sympathy, as the song says. Um, we come together with a, a deeper purpose than that. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that is like this morning. Koinonia occurs 20 different times. Now, I can't tell you which it's not always translated as fellowship, but most of its appearances in the New Testament are. And it's about fellowship, sharing in common, communion. Um, one article I read said that whenever you see the term one another, that um, the disciples or the Christians who came after the disciples, when they were Whenever it says something about one another, that's, that's the coming together of koinonia. And we come together in love, faith, and encouragement. And as I was looking for a Bible verse that really captured the, the essence, the, um, the feeling, I think, of koinonia, I came up with 1 John Chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is a message that we have heard from God and proclaim to you that God is light, and in God there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Spirit while we are walking in darkness, we lie, and we do not know what is true. We do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. There are both of those terms. And the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. I was tempted to leave that last phrase out. I will admit that. But I decided it was time for me to learn more about the metaphysical meaning of the blood of Jesus. So I'm going to get to that in a minute or two. God is light. We kind of come here because we're interested in who and what God is. So if God is light, then we need to take a look at what light is. Metaphysically, Charles Fillmore says that light symbolizes illumination, knowing, and understanding. Light is spiritual illumination. It's interesting that um, in other faith paths, we talk about enlightenment. So it's very similar to that. 
So what is darkness? It's an absence. There is no presence of darkness. Sometimes when it's getting um, to the end of the day and the sun is sinking in the west, it feels like darkness is moving in. But that's not, that's not really what's happening. It's that the light recedes. And what's left is darkness. So it's the absence of light in our just to let you all know, if you want to dig deeper into some of these concepts, we have a, a small band of, of nerdy theological wannabes that meet at 9.30 in the chapel and talk about things like, what is God and what is light and what is evil? Is there evil? Where did it come from? So you want to dig in any Sunday morning at 9.30, we welcome you. So if light is knowledge, then darkness would be the absence of that. Ignorance is the word that Charles chose. An absence in consciousness of the one presence. So it doesn't, doesn't mean you're stupid. It means that you're not aware of your spiritual essence and that that's the truth of your being. And what is sin? Because it talks about it in this passage from John. Sin is a failure on our part to apprehend and acknowledge the mind of God. In unity, that word doesn't mean exactly what it does in other Christian paths. We talk about sin as missing the mark or falling short. It's not a moral failure. It's, it's an error. And it often is a reflection of our consciousness and the growth that is awaiting us when we fall short. So we're not blamed if we find ourselves in sin. It's just an invitation to, uh, to dig deeper. And in this same um, article, which is uh, actually a transcribed Q&A in a Bible study with Charles Fillmore, that I found on truthunity.net. <coughs> Excuse me. I had to prove that I've been dealing with this too. Um, this was one of the questions about this particular uh, Bible passage and the metaphysical interpretation of it. The question is, when we walk in the light, that is, in all our ways apply spiritual understanding, what revelation do we get in regard to sin. <clears throat> and Charles says, we find that we have fallen short of the ideal person. Therefore, we would be sinners were it not for the fact that the understanding of life in Christ cleanses our minds and bodies from sin and its effects. So we get, we get our first inkling about how we understand physically that cleansing 
blood of Jesus. As in so many things, Jesus raised the energy of the physical, even down to the blood. You know, there are some, um, there are some faith traditions that um, doesn't allow transfusions because they believe they, and there's an Old Testament passage that says life is in the blood. And so transfusions are, uh, it's too much like taking somebody else's life, so they just don't go there. We don't teach that in unity. You are free to get a transfusion if you want or need one, as far as we're concerned. And you're under no obligation to get one either. <laughs> the blood of Jesus is not uh, a bodily fluid. It is a spiritual energy. And it's part of that enlightenment. It is the cleansing that comes from aligning ourselves with divine mind and the illumination that comes with that. <clears throat> so, our theme this month is creating community. And actually, I came up with the term koinonia because I thought creating community, that, that's what community organizers do. Why are we doing that? Why are we spending a month on that in unity? And then I remembered all the fellowship I've done in my 60 plus years, and I thought, oh, that's, that's what that's talking about. How do, we, how do we find that sacred community? And so I thought, I'll come up with some pointers about how to do this. And it's my understanding that to create communities of light, we first have to be aware of and in touch with the light within ourselves. We talk about life being an inside job. And that's, that captures this notion that the foundation for Creating communities of light is to become aware of our own light as a starting place. And I find that easiest to do in the silence. Spending time reflecting on the Christ within. <clears throat> and as we do that, we become more and more enlightened and aware of the knowledge, the, the illumination, and the knowing that we have as part of that spiritual reality. The next step is, and this is a direct quote from Charles Fillmore, to cultivate spiritual understanding in all things. I think unity does as good a job as any faith community that I know of in saying it's all spiritual. We don't, we don't draw, you know, this stuff over here is spiritual, this stuff is material, physical, carnal, whatever, whatever you use for not spiritual. That 
in reality, spiritual is the basic stuff of all of our lives. And so, in every aspect of our lives, that means driving and paying bills, being in relationship, ending relationships, all of those human activities, what we eat, who we hang out with, creating community, all of that has a spiritual dimension. And so as we recognize the light within ourselves, we, we have the illumination that we need to begin to recognize the, the spiritual aspects of everything around us and within us. As we do this, we cannot help but recognize that there are reflections of light everywhere. Again, in our 930 group this morning, we were talking about the light in a potato. You might not think that you've ever seen a light in your potato, but you know you can light up a light bulb if you, if you hook it up right. So there is light in a potato. There's light in everything. And as we learn more and more about it within ourselves and we cultivate that spiritual understanding in all things, we begin to recognize the light to varying degrees in everyone and everything. And finally, we experience the power of divine life to cleanse each of us individually and all of us in koinonia. That the light seems to me like it washes away, at least obscures the impurities. That the more light I perceive in you, the more perfect you are. And you know, it's easiest to create community among like-minded people, and that's essential. It's essential that we do so. And Unity of Bloomington is one of those types of primary communities where we can experience the fellowship, the sharing in common, and the spiritual communion that are the, the essence of koinonia. This is where we learn the basics of community, where we learn to trust and to support, to give and to receive, and to see spirit expressed in the daily lives of people we know and love. This is the practical hands-on laboratory for equipping ourselves to reach out and heal the world in what I guess I think of as secondary communities of light. And those are all the places where we take the light that we learn to recognize and cultivate here and we shine it into a corner where the light isn't as vibrant as we can imagine seeing it. And there are examples of this. I'm sure all of you could come up with three examples of this. So I decided I'd come up with my three examples. 
The first one is Koinonia Farm. Are, is anybody familiar with that name of that? My first, uh, the first minister I worked with as a professional minister was a former Southern Baptist. And he was the first person who mentioned Koinonia Farm to me. They're the people that started Habitat for Humanity. How about that? So you know more about Koinonia than you thought you did. And it uses Koinonia in the same sense that we're using it this morning. Clarence Jordan and uh, the Englands started this farm. It was kind of a collective, kind of a commune, kind of a retreat center. And some really um, cool things have come out of there. It's in Americus, Georgia. Now, if that rings a bell for some of you, who else do we know from Americus, Georgia? There you go. And this may have something to do with his strong affiliation with Habitat for Humanity because uh, I'm not saying he started it, but he's right there at ground zero for Habitat. And they seek to embody koinonia in, on the grounds and the way that they conduct their everyday lives and then to take that light and through Habitat, certainly, they've taken it all over the world. So I thought that was a, a, an especially shining example of a Koinonia community. I don't know if you recognize her. She was in the paper this week. This is Mary Getze. Now, her name is familiar to me because for many years she directed the uh, Bloomington Children's Choir. It probably had a fancier name than that. Indiana University Children's Choir. She retired from that, and she has gone on um, to do new community building. Um, she was recognized as the Bloomington's 2019 Woman of the Year this week, and especially recognized for her work with the group called New Leaf, New Life, which um, brings light to people who are incarcerated, especially in Monroe County Jail. Uh, I, I think they help with reentry from folks who come from incarcerations outside the community, but they are especially focused here in Bloomington. And she works with the Read to Me program. How many of you saw that in the paper this week? I thought this is cool. She went from singing with children to now um, she works with the Unitarian Church and the, uh, a branch of the library to have parents who are incarcerated and have little children to choose a book that they will read and she records it and then Mary Getsy takes the recording and the book to the child so that even though mommy or daddy is not able to be with them and read to them at bedtime they have that parent's voice and the book. So I thought that was just kind of a cool novel, I don't know if it would have occurred to me um, to shine my light in that particular way, but I was, um, I was very glad that Mary is involved in that and that she got recognized for it this week. And finally, <clears throat> there's so much stuff on the internet that, that is not an ex shining example of light. <laughs> but 
I wanted to lift up at least one place that is. And I, um, I have probably shared information about this before. You can subscribe to dailygood.org for free. And every day, you will get at least one email. And sometimes, I think I get a couple of them. I'm not sure how they, how they dole them out. And it's good news from around the world. You'll get um, information about somebody who is replanting a forest in India. Somebody who is working with um, street people in Japan, South America, all over the world, and in the United States. So great little infusions of light every day in your inbox. Doesn't cost you anything. You don't even have to read it if you don't want to, but it's there. So I would really encourage you, um, especially if you find the internet to sometimes be a darker place than feels good to you, subscribe to dailygood.org and you'll get that. The, the, the phrase that from their About Us page is, Daily Good leverages the internet to promote positive and uplifting news around the world to more than 100,000 subscribers through daily and weekly newsletters. So if you need a little more light, I recommend them.